This is the 966 episode 123. 123. Hello, one, two, Mr. Richard Wilson. How are Always you? a good one. It's been a, it's been a minute. Actually. It's been a minute. So this yeah. is exciting. You know? Yeah. I feel like there's something amiss when we don't get to connect and gab. There was a little period there, but we're through it. It was tough, not just for us, but for all of our listeners and viewers. I'm sure they've the boys are back. <laughs> the boys are back. The void has been filled. And episode 123. So nice to see you. How's everything going? Excited to get it going. Yeah, so much stuff. So much stuff. You miss a week. If you don't do yoga, uh, you know, it just, you just, it becomes a decision. We're doing what's in, what's out, what's timely, what's not, what should, what has to be in, even if it's 10 days old. Um, so yeah, Saudi Arabia is just racing along. Lots of exciting stuff. Indeed. And that uh, that's good sort of uh, advanced color for our listeners and viewers, because we'll be talking about some storylines that aren't super fresh from this week, like yesterday, but they're still very recent in the grand scheme of things and very important. So we sort of made a call that if we skip them, there'd be too big of a void. So we'll be doing both catch up and new stuff. So it's kind of a nice little, you know, get back on track week for the boys here with 123. So very exciting. Uh, before we get started, I just, uh, if it's okay, Richard, I want to do a, just a couple shout outs. One, Eunice, Autoregi is opening opening a bakery in Riyadh, the Rustic Bakery. Uh, it's called Rustic.Bakery on Instagram. All natural, all sourdough baked goods, point of sale. I've known Eunice forever, and he sent me a box of pastries and bread saying these this was made by all Italian chefs here in Riyadh, and I'm really trying to not gain weight here. Uh, as you can imagine, that's very difficult in a food city like this with a lot of rice and carbs. Bread is something I want to avoid, but my goodness, it is amazing. So check it out. And thanks to Eunice. This is not an ad. I just wanted to give him a shout out because this is the best bread I've had in forever. So Eunice, congrats. Check out rustic.bakery on Instagram. I think the address is on there and they're not yet open, but check it out when it is. So um, so Eunice, when I'm there next, uh, I'll have to go see Eunice. I'm a big bread fan and that'd be, that'd be exciting. When does he open? I don't know, but it's still not open and it will be no storefront, just a, or no place to sit down, just a place to order and then they'll do deliveries. Um, I highly recommend it, Richard, the pastries, my goodness. Uh, yeah, just out of this world. Uh, so thanks so. to <laughs> thanks to Eunice. And I'm really sorry if the next time you see me, my suit doesn't fit because I've been mainlining some sourdough bread with butter. It's so delicious. Um, and at some point, at some point in the trajectory of the 966, <laughs> in our illustrious and starry future, we will have an interlude where we where we promote something, and we will actually get paid for it. I mean, this is a good thing because it's always local color, and it's always a nice thing. But at some point, we may take you know 30 seconds, 60 seconds to to uh, to promote something that somebody who's uh, sponsoring the show, and that'll be exciting. I'm just I'm just I'm just projecting into the future. Don't leave us yet because we don't have plans exactly in place to do that yet. But I do agree. And this was not an ad. This was not a paid promotion in any way. This is just a shout out because my goodness, it was it's really <laughs> it's the type of it's the type of pastries and fresh bread you'd get right out of the bakery in you know, France or Italy. It's just incredible. And um, Richard also had the pleasure of meeting a few 966 regular listeners this week. 
uh, cool to kind of put that into the schedule and touch base. Hello, Hisham. Hello, Tarek. Nice to meet you both uh, separately, but uh, both listeners of the show and love it. So it was kind of cool to connect with them. And uh, they said, I feel like I know you, Lucian. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, but that probably just thing? bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably a bad thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, kind of cool. And it's really cool to meet people that are listening to the, to the program. So hello, everybody. So subscribe to us, please. Uh, Let me add a shout this. out to that. Let me add yeah, a shout out. Sh- this is a shout out friendly forum. Our, so please, our smile good on. friend, our good friend Umar Sheikh, who is a, a MENA CEO for PepsiCo, is transitioning out. He just sent out a note said he's he's uh, on to his next challenge. Just want to say, uh, again, we're big fans of U.S. corporates, but boy, you know, in the process of this, we've met some really impressive people. None more than impressive than Umar. And, and it's just been a joy getting to know him. I hope we all stay in touch and whatever his next, uh, next gig is, it's more than a gig, you know, maybe it'd be having back on the 966, but he, what a, what a tremendous executive, what a fine person. Just, just want to give a shout out to Umar Sheikh who has headed, you know, a a major, major important U S corporation in the region for, for some time and uh, a job well done. Um, it is cool that Pepsi is so preponderant and dominant in the market here, and he's just done an amazing job. And it's not just on the business side, but on the sustainability side. And and great shout out because if you haven't listened to that episode we did with Amr, he was brilliant. He is a regular listener to the nine six six and and said so much on the show. Really, just a great guy indeed. Uh, I don't think he'll be jumping over to Coke, <laughs> but um, but he's uh, a, just a great guy. And and uh, yeah, we wish him the best of luck because Pepsi has done some truly amazing things. And he's still sort of, I mean, I think his last day is the end of the month, right, Richard? He's still out there well, kind of doing deals. I saw it on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> they just they just signed to be a major sponsor of the Roshan Professional League, so the Saudi Professional League. And what cracked me up, again, we talk about PepsiCo and all its products, but also one of the like things about PepsiCo is its, its community outreach and its involvement with the, the kingdom overall. But you you the tie-ups with the Roshan League were like, you know, beverage, PepsiCo, um, uh, snacks, Lay's, energy drink. Uh, it might have been, is it Gatorade? I'm going to misspeak there, whatever. But there were four, four areas, big, big tie-ups. I mean, you know, that PepsiCo has leading products in all of them. It's just, it was just funny to read. Like, oh my goodness, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can still get a Coke though in some places, but it's just not like, uh, not like the U.S. You have to go to the back room. Exactly. <laughs> Call ahead. Try to get the Coke Zero. They say no. You I, told you to when, get... I told you when when I was there in December, had lunch with them where I asked for a Coke. He was about to hit me upside the head. <laughs> uh, I bet he gets that though a decent amount. Now he can't get offended by it, you know, but I don't know. Anyway, no, but I, it's just I, a good, great dude. So best of best of luck to him. I will also say one more thing. We are kind of just, we're letting it stretch out here. It's been a while, so we're letting it stretch out here. But I will say that I have heard a sort of unusual number of people this week in person telling me there is a little bit too much talk about golf. And I think they're just making fun of me because they get that it's kind of a joke. Uh, But we won't be doing any dedicated golf stuff this week, Richard. But I will be playing golf Saturday morning outside of Riyadh at Dirab and going to the Saudi ladies international presented by the PIF on Saturday afternoon. That's it for the golf talk. I promise. And maybe one or two other mentions, but 
Okay. We, I, I hear you. We just love golf. So anyway, just had to get that out there. <laughs> um, okay, Richard, we're going to, we are doing a bit of a modified episode this week. We're going to do a one big thing and then we're going to get into yellows and we're going to have an extended yellow section because there's just so much going on. And my one big thing this week is really just everything that's going on. I really just wanted to talk about living here in Riyadh for a bit, specifically just how much entertainment and things to do there are around here. And we're sort of aware of that with Riyadh season, but this is actually outside of that specific program. There is a season of Riyadh and a season of Saudi Arabia where the weather is perfect and there's just a ton of things going on. I've been here now for about seven weeks with my family. They're loving it. I'm loving it. And aside, again, as I mentioned, the absolutely perfect weather today was a little bit warm, uh, but this time of year, there's just a lot to do. In the last three weeks, these are the events that I have attended, and these are just the ones that I've been to, and there's others that I've missed, of course, but you had Formula E in Duria uh, two weeks ago, which is really close to where I'm living in Hittin, so a short drive. Of course, the boulevard is actually right across the street from me. It's amazing. I can't, I can't hear it, but it, that is huge. You had the PIF private sector forum at the Ritz last week. I had to give my ticket away, but Inter Miami was in town and Messi and Ronaldo were on the same field. Uh, Ronaldo was injured, but Inter Miami got their behinds kicked by Al Nasser. And a week later, I did go see Al Nasser and Al Halal duke it out. Of course, Al Nasser went scoreless there. Al Halal had two beautiful goals. It was never really close. Richard, I hate to say it for all the Nassaris. There's a term I, I'm going to mess it up now. I'm going to hear about it. But was, this, uh, was it 6 0? Was it 6 0 that one? Or was that the Inter Miami? That was Inter Miami was 6 nothing. It was 2 nothing. Al Halal, Al Nasser. Uh, and Al Nasser really didn't even get a good shot on. And then actually last night, I saw Al Nasser and Al Feha on TV at a restaurant. Al Feha uh, lost, unfortunately. But I was hoping for a big up. We were hoping for a big upset there. So Riyadh Season Cup. Last week, you had the World Defense Show. Uh, I went to that as well for one of the days with a VVIP friend known as Abdurrahman. You know him very well, Richard, as well. It was so cool. You had the Smart Cities Forum this week. I went to that for a day, put on by the Saudi AI Authority, really cool event. Next week, I'll be attending the Saudi Media Forum. In two weeks, I'll be doing some sort of on-stage moderation at the Human Capability Initiative, which is also at the Ritz. You have Daria season, which is sort of a grouping of events of art shows and outdoor dining. Bujeri Terrace, my family has fallen in love with that. It's incredible, especially at night. You get to walk around. It's so beautiful, shockingly beautiful. And shout out to uh, Fahad Al Saud for his incredible tour of Al Tareh Fort. He gave me a head of the PIF forum and uh, my conversation with Jerry and Zarello there. It was just, I mean... I, one of the most memorable experiences ever. And now we're going two, three times a week, starting to add up a little bit, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> you've got, as I mentioned, the Saudi Ladies International presented by PIF Golf Tournament this week. Last time I mentioned golf, I promise. That's going to be fun. On Saturday, you also have heavyweight champion Tyson Fury and Alexander Yusik squaring off in the Ring of Fire, February 17th, Dakar Rally. Of course, we talked about that two episodes ago. Jeddah has a slew of concerts, events. We've discussed that coming up this week, Extreme Ease, international inaugural season race in Jeddah. Expanding into new sports, soon we'll have a lot of tennis coming here. Last month, Nadal was named a new ambassador for the Saudi Tennis Federation. I made this my one big thing this week because 
this is just like a great time to be here in Riyadh. It's a great time to be here in Riyadh in the large context of Vision 2030 and everything going on and all the events happening. But I'm coming to the realization that this is an amazing time to be here and will be pretty much every year because the weather is great. There's so much stuff to do. We I didn't even get to do it all. And I feel like I'm doing a lot. Um, it's sort of like the high season, you know, like you'd have a high season in like Palm Beach, you know, or it's like uh, or other places where it's like this is the time Martha's Vineyard in in the Northeast in the summer. It's like that's what you're getting here. There's so much to do. You can't do it all. And there's something for everybody for all ages. It's honestly really cool. Oh, and, you know, of course, we have uh, leap coming up at the beginning of March. So two weeks away. Things culminate with a big fight March, March 8th in Riyadh. I can't remember who the fight is. and I didn't write it down, sadly. And then finally, Formula One in Jeddah on the 9th, I believe, in March. And just as you're catching your breath, Ramadan. <laughs> so just so much going on. Kind of a really, really cool time here. Those are those are really fun to do. I mean, if this is, you know, we've talked about on this show all the time you have to take stock every now and then to see how far you've come and just you know it's always you know if, you, if you've been around saudi you always know the november to march window is an awesome time to be there and it's and but again five years ago three years ago you didn't have all this going on so many options and you didn't you know coming up next week february 22nd is the the, the founding day which is a huge celebration and that you know that'll be a long weekend um you mentioned march 10th Ramadan starts. So a lot of people are, you know, a lot of things are happening before then, but just so much going on and, and just listing them out like that is a stark reminder of now compared to then. And it's an important thing just to look back because it's so hectic. It's so hectic. It's so fast paced. You sort of don't even notice, but then if you, you just have to take a step back to go, this is different. This is really different. Yeah. I think the, thing about the sports and what really struck me about Al-Halal Al-Nasser was that it really, we've had experts on sports washing on this show, Simon Chadwick, and we've discussed it as well. It just was so clear to me that the fandom and the excitement and uh, intensity of the crowd for these two teams, like they hate each other, a friendly hate each other, but it's a real yeah. rivalry. And the investments into guys like Ronaldo and other superstars just intensified the um, sort of atmosphere and makes the league a lot more interesting for those that are maybe kind of casual fans, especially for children as they're becoming interested. I was sitting with my friend's son, Abdulaziz's son, who is a huge Al Nasser guy as Abdulaziz is as well. <laughs> and we were surrounded by outlaw people in every direction. And it was intense. It was like a U.S. kind of sporting thing where you're in the away or you're the away team and you're in a home field. It was I mean, you know, I wasn't exactly wearing an Astro <laughs> jersey, but it was just really cool to be a part of. So anyway, so much going on and, and we see it in the headlines and it, it sort of just is like one thing after the other. But then when you kind of experience it here, it's just like, wow, this is like really kind of a happening place. So congrats to Turkey Al Sheikh all the way down. I mean, it's really kind of amazing. So. Um, we have we have eight yellows, two of them on sports, and it's not because we obviously we're jocks, we love it all, but it's not because of that. It's because they're germane to what Saudi Arabia is trying to do today. Cool. You know, sports is a big part of that. Um, mm -hmm. 
but no golf, Richard. So we're <laughs> don't worry, everybody. No golf, and we could have absolutely. There's, there's some yeah. live news, but we but we 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 decided otherwise. So I mean, <laughs> but it's all in there. So this is all good. And again, it's just it's just it's just such a different experience. Um, and and again, the November to March time is is a great time to be in Saudi. Like you said, it was close to ninety today. It's twenty six. It was twenty six when I woke up this morning. <laughs> I still have my. I have a weather station at my home in the U.S. So I check on it. I have like an app for it, and I I check on it. And it's been, it hasn't been a great run for you guys in the last few weeks. So <laughs> well, I was I was laughing with uh, I was communicating with a woman who who. who um, lives in Saudi. She's a journalist actually in Saudi. And this morning and she said, oh, you know, I used to live in Virginia and we were comparing temperature. No, it was no comparison, but also we were comparing traffic. And in that regard, Riyadh won. You know, we were saying it's bad in the Northern Virginia area, but nothing like Riyadh. But anyway, that's a separate issue. It, it is. Should, that's a, that's should, its own topic, Richard. <laughs> that's its own We topic. should jump on our yellows. Let's do it. Yellow. Saudi. Wait a minute. Yeah. What you know what we need, Richard? We need the Undertaker to come out. And, oh, yes. Uh, you know, and I do the was hold wondering. Up. That was so, so weird. Lu <laughs> Lucian is referring to that Halal Al Nasser game where the Undertaker came out to. What, what was it? The uh, Inter Miami one. No, it was the Al Halal one, and they they had this marching parade of of people carrying real fire torches. And I was there with a group of friends, and we were texting each other, and we were like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> and know, then the Undertaker comes out. <laughs> it is crazy, and I was wondering, you know, you do these things just sort of your mental gymnastics, like how much did he get paid for that, or was that part of his contract with WWE? You know, for public appearances. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just everything is, is, is something else in Saudi these days. But yes, the Undertaker at the soccer at the at the football match. For you know, he probably did it based on the ticket prices. He probably just did it for free admittance to the joint. I mean, who knows? But anyway, maybe we'll have the Undertaker give us a transition here. But anyway, let's uh, we'll get to Yella. Uh, Saudi in a minute. Saudi in a minute. Number one, Saudi Arabia has tapped an ex Dell Technologies executive, Ahmed Mitha, to lead the recently formed public investment fund company Alat. Alat. We'll, we'll get that right. An industrial electronics company with 100 billion in backing that aims to become a local manufacturing powerhouse. Chaired by Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Alat is targeting the creation of 39,000 direct jobs in Saudi Arabia and a $9.3 billion contribution to the GDP by 2030. The company is launching with more than 30 product categories, including robotics, computing, and digital entertainment, as well as advanced heavy machinery. A lot, which will officially open for business on February 20th, has it has also has a sustainability component and plans to work with global companies to reduce their emissions and move towards zero carbon manufacturing. Maybe the most impactful PIF new company formed since the launch of Vision 2030. And it's hard to really say or know that for sure until you give, I mean, setting up manufacturing, setting up factories, importing technologies is stuff that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money. And you can see that equation here, 100 billion in backing. And by 2030, they're looking to add an annual 9.3 billion to GDP, which means that the payout for the investment is in the things that they mentioned, job creation, 
uh, supply chain resilience, manufacturing bases. This is so cool and so impactful. Congratulations to Najla El Safe, who is working with them and is now out of stealth mode. And I know how hard she's been working on this um, and, and can now admit that this is what uh, she's been doing as with other uh, em uh, employees and they're sort of ramping up. Kudos to Saudi Arabia on this. This is really good. You know, Najla is a good friend and, and, and she's a terrific supporter of the 966 and what we do. And she's disciplined as all get out because she managed to keep this under wraps and, you know, she, it's sort of been brewing and, and she's been, she's part of the conception and the implementation of standing it up. And now she's a, a very critical executive in the whole process and nary a word, never gave it away, which is impressive. And this is a really interesting initiative. I don't know what it reminds me of. It's sort of, a, a you know, so, so, so Saudi Arabia and PIF, you know, will, take a, a lead in a sector, you know, and, and, and do something like this. They'll also invest in various vehicles that get them technology and positions in key sectors. And, and this is the former of that. It reminds me a little bit of GAMI. And by that, I mean, sort of a, a, an entity stood up by the government to lead the charge and to really push the envelope in these sectors. You know, and and um, you know, an industrial electronics company, all these areas that they've pinpointed as really key to their future, in terms of manufacturing. Um, so it, it's it, it and it, you know, so it's really an interesting uh, initiative, and it will be very fun to watch and intriguing to watch. Uh, so I'm optimistic about it, and obviously we, you know, we believe the, and also again, I love to see this. Anytime you have a U.S executive coming in to be part of a significant uh, project and initiative that's key to Saudi Arabia's future. I love to see it. So this was a good one. This was a good um, yellow because it wraps up all those things, you know, a, a huge push in a key sector that is going to be uh, aided in, you know, in, in significant way by a U.S. executive. So all the best to, to this. A lot means or is, is named after the Arabic word, which means machines. Right. A, it's a pretty good name for what they're doing. I think the GAMI comp is is cool and interesting. It, anyway, I meant, I meant, is, I, meant, I, meant, I meant, I mistake. Actually, it should be Sammy. Sammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sammy. Yeah. And I, I, I think I misspoke. It's yeah, the Sammy, which you know, GAMI is sort of the regulatory and other things, mm -hmm. and you know, the over sector. Sammy is sort of like we'll we'll put this down, and what Sammy has done. In the in you know in industrializing and localizing uh, defense manufacturing is roll up other firms and sort of try and you know bring weight and and singularity to the effort. So maybe that's what's going to happen here. Just really, really cool. So congrats to them. Feb twentieth coming out party, but the announcement was sort of rolled out right before the PIF forum. It was. I just I, I'm stoked for them, and this is. This is going to have a big impact. So kudos to them. Yella number two. Saudi Arabia's budget deficit reached $21.57 billion in the 2023 fiscal year. Narrower, narrower, tough word, than the government's previous estimates as oil revenue dipped amid production cuts. It came as the kingdom increased its spending to boost the economy, according to the Ministry of Finance, in a budget update 
the government is predicting a deficit of $21.07 billion in 2024. The kingdom's total revenue dropped by nearly 4% on a yearly basis to more than $320 billion in 2023. Oil revenue dropped 12% on a yearly basis to $201.2 billion, while non-oil revenue surged 11% to $122 billion. Did you get all that, Richard? <laughs> I did. Well, and there's a lot going on, and, you know, and you know, to, to parse that out, and, and it, it wasn't unexpected. And this is one of the interesting things about the Saudi budget. You know, they sent, you know, in September of each year, they sort of put out a, a directive. This is what we're anticipating, which is so, so much more transparent. And you know, their deficit was pretty much close to what they predicted. Um, you know, the good news in there is the non-oil uh, revenue would surge, but the fact is. You know, Saudi's fourth quarter was rough. You know, they were only one of, uh, they were at the bottom of the G20 charts, you know, at, uh, at uh, minus 1% uh, GDP growth. Uh, so then, you know, they, you know, while, you know, they paced the G, you know, the, the G20 last year, 2022, <laughs> they lagged, you know, they were, they were relegated in 2023. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's part of the plan. I mean, these are decisions they make, and they can, can and, and as we've said on the show repeatedly, despite the revenue drop, despite the, the foreseen, uh, you know, step back in terms of oil production and oil price, um, they're continuing their spend, and that's really important for the future. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is you. Oh, is this me? Yeah. Uh, yellow number three. Saudi Arabia's ambassador to the United States, Princess Rima bint Vandar, has addressed criticisms leveled against Saudi Arabia's potential hosting of the Women's Tennis Association finals. The ambassador's remarks came as a direct response to an opinion piece in the Washington Post by tennis greats Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova which she described as laden with, quote, outdated stereotypes and Western-centric views, unquote. Ambassador Rima, uh, a prominent advocate for women's rights, expressed her dismay at the perceived snub, stating, quote, like many women around the world, we look to the legends of tennis as trailblazers and role models, glimmers of hope that women truly could achieve it at all. But these champions have turned their back on the very same women they have inspired, and it is beyond disappointing unquote. I think this story and that blurb all speak for itself. I think the way Princess Rima handled that and the way she put herself in front of hundreds, millions of Saudi women and other women worldwide that see it the way she sees it. I think that the way that that was handled and she's so eloquent and such a great ambassador in general, but she's an even better ambassador for things like women empowerment in Saudi Arabia. And so this piece obviously struck a nerve with her. And she said, I can't let this go. This is I, I got to I've got to speak out to this because this is really not fair and frankly outdated and inaccurate well handled by her. It went viral on social media. Everybody was sharing it around. I thought just thought it was brilliant. So, you know, this is why I included it. To, I mean, because it, it it was timely storyline. Uh, she's uh, absolutely perfectly suited to respond to this. She has the the background um, 
And, you know, she's legitimately able to respond to this. And I, I love it because um, it's what this message that is coming out more and more from Saudi Arabia is that uh, one is there's pushback, which is, is, is like, so they, you know, in the past, maybe this was just let go and maybe you just don't respond. But uh, her point is, is you're, is you're missing the point. And, and, and I think you get more of that. And I think it's important. She highlighted that there are 330,000 registered female athletes, including 14,000 tennis players. You know, she talked about driving social change, empowering women. Um, and, and she really, really, I liked it because it was very, it was very respectful, but it was very pointed. And she specifically said, you know, look, you let me down. A lot of women look to you. We are trying to empower women through sports and any a number of other vehicles in Saudi Arabia. Uh, back to the beginning, you are missing the point. And it was a, it was a strong, powerful message. Indeed, she's also uh, more recently they're doing catmosphere and catwalk everywhere here in Saudi Arabia, even in Riyadh. Um, yeah. I mean, even in Washington D.C., I, I saw stuff for it but Bujeri Terrace had different stations for it she's just doing so much cool stuff including being a amb Saudi ambassador to the United States so good on her this is a this is a really she, cool she's story. everywhere you know I would love to have her on this show and not talk about politics because she does everything you know part of this I guess and I'm going to get this wrong Anz Jabor who's the Tunisian women's uh tennis player and a champion um uh, recently signed on with Kayani, which is a Saudi uh, athletic gear outfit, which I think Princess Rima uh, is involved with. Um, and all that to say is, you know, she she's as multi-layered as you can get. Yes, she is a, 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 an important diplomat. Yes, she's an incredibly uh, influential spokesperson for the country. Yes, everything that happens in Saudi, it seems like she's there. She's back over there all the time. She's barely here. Because she's involved with meetings, key meetings, key events, events, and that sort of thing. She's also got all these other things. She's she's like Catmosphere, like Kayani, like you know, um, small businesses, women empowerment, just on and on. Fascinating person. Very fascinating. She's also uh, last time I talked with her, she we realized that we grew up like like half a mile from each other in McLean. And she was like, Oh, where are you from? And I was like, McLean. And she's like, where in McLean? <laughs> and I told her and she was like, wait, that's like really close to where I grew up. It was, it was cool. She's just so cool. Anyway, we could do a full episode on princess Rima and we would love to speak with her on this show as well. It'd be awesome. So uh, I'm sure inshallah it shall happen soon yellow number four Saudi Arabia's Neom has opened its first U S office in New York city which will serve as a base for its business across the United States. The announcement comes months after it launched its London office in November to serve as a base for its UK and European business. Nadimi Al Nasser, uh, I hope I said that right, CEO of Neom, stated that the New York office will work toward exploring new partnerships and sources of investment from the US, a release stated. Bob Stefanowski will lead the Neom office uh, Neom U.S. office, excuse me, as managing director, who has previously held C-suite positions at General Electric, UBS, 3i Group, PLC. Neom already has existing partnerships with U.S. entities, including the Neom Green Hydrogen Company, an equal JV between U.S. company Air Products and Aqua Power. Um, 
very interesting. Just uh, shout out Richard to Jerry Chan. I met him from USSA, which is PIF's office. He's a listener. I'm doing all the list. We're doing all the listener shout outs. This one getting caught up, but this is a good one. <laughs> this is good for good for Neom to have a, a presence in in the U.S. Yeah, not much to add. Really, just included to 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 point it out. It's a it's a good step. Um, you know that air power. Uh, air products uh, relationship and the hydro production of hydrogen up in Neom is hugely important. So hopefully we, that'll be successful. But it's also again nice to see the office, you know, uh, headed by a you know a a, a, a seasoned uh, U.S. executive. Um, and I think the next one, so they they've got one in the U.K. They got one in New York. I think it might be Singapore is another one they're opening. Um, but I have to check that. But good, they're 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 staking their you know putting their stakes uh, throughout the the, the globe. Um, yellow number five. Saudi Arabia's state-controlled Aramco announced it is pausing plans to raise its crude production capacity from 12 million barrels per day to 13 million barrels per day. In a statement, the world's largest crude exporter said it had been ordered by the Saudi Ministry of Energy to maintain its maximum sustainable capacity, MSC, at current levels. Several years and billions of dollars since it received a directive to boost production capacity to 13 million barrels per day by 2027. Uh, Ramco, which went public in 2019, did not disclose a reason behind the ministry's decision. It said it will update its capital spending guidance when its full year 2023 results are announced in March. Another big thing happening in March. Very interesting development. Kind of hard to really know exactly what's going on here. And kind of looked into this before we discussed it. Analysts say Ramco's decision may have been influenced by factors such as escalating costs of developing new projects ample spare capacity, weakening demand outlook for crude. I mean, so it's it's uh, growing adoption of renewable energy EVs. It's a complex thing. It's not like a one, you know, direct causation of one thing it looks like. But uh, interesting move. I don't know. You, you probably have more than that on it. No, I, I so so the, the directive to go to 13 million came in March 2020. As we all know, it costs uh, you know, Saudi Arabia has been the swing producer, the most, uh, the, the deepest swing producer, and, it, and it's come in handy in many ways in terms of the global economy. Um, but it costs a lot of money to sustain that capacity and to create that capacity. Uh, and you know, as we've talked about on this before, on the show before, you know, one of my all-star ministers, Mohammed Al-Jadan, said, you know, as we go through this process, Vision 2030 and so on, we're going to rationalize, quote unquote, rationalize projects. Not every one of them are going to make it to the final final gate. Um, you know, some of them may be modified, adjusted, that sort of thing. This is one. And this is one thing I like about what Saudi Arabia's done. They're willing to, to adjust. I think they've been surprised a little bit by the, the, the uh, their estimates, by the way, OPEX estimates for global consumption of of crude and, and energy products has not gone down. They don't see it going down. Um, but, you know, there are other sources now that have filled the gap, including, including the U.S., which is pumping more than anybody. Um, they also have uh, other uses. You know, basically, the you know, the, the, the Minister of Energy uh, said, you know, it's, it's because of the global transition. We, we, we can... You know, we have growth areas. We have gas and new energies and that sort of thing. And 
we really want to do one again LNG. We don't necessarily need to use this capital expenditure for for more capacity on crude because the market isn't needing it right now, and we can certainly use the money. We just talked about a twenty-two billion dollar you know budget deficit. Um, so much of Saudi Arabia's you know revenues are derived from uh, Aramco, but also on top of it, they're spending enormous amounts on other energy-related projects, all the way from LNG to clean energy, hydrogen, that sort of thing, renewables. Uh, so you know it's an adjustment. And, and I can understand why they don't, you know, don't elaborate on it. They're making internal decisions. Apparently it wasn't, not surprisingly, it wasn't a rash decision. It's been under consideration for six months at least. Uh, anyway, so interesting. This is one of those things that happened two weeks ago, but it's so important that we needed to touch on it uh, today. Mm -hmm. Getting everybody caught up. Yella number six. I hope we haven't lost track of this number of yellows because we're, we're expanding at this, <laughs> this show. Organized by GAMI, the World Defense Show, CEO Andrew Percy said the biennial event held February 4th through 8th aimed to, quote, grow and support an industry for which the government has budgeted $71.73 billion in 2024, up from $69 billion in 2023, with 100,000 plus visitors including yours truly during this year's five-day World Defense Show. The event aims to catalyze a 50% localization target set for the kingdom's defense sector. Exhibitor space sold out five months before the event's start, and despite a 25% increase in space, the 800,000 square meter venue, it was so big you couldn't do it in a day, I'm not even kidding, was purpose-built <laughs> and even featured a functional airstrip. It also featured some anti-missile, uh, some missile defense uh, batteries on the outside, Richard, that were not for show, um, which was cool. <laughs> this, this year, China, the US, UK, and Turkey have a significant presence at the event with Saudi exhibitors leading the pack. More than 750 exhibitors from over 65 countries were present, present with over 23 featuring in the kingdom for the first time. It was cool, man. I bet it was. I loved. I love seeing hardware. I love car shows and you know and things like that. You know where you see a lot of hardware. It's, it's kind of a guy thing, I guess. But that's sexist, I'm sure. <laughs> it was mostly you know, dudes. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, you know, it was mostly men. Not all men, but it was mostly men there. So um, apparently, uh, this WDS saw 29 deals worth 6.9 billion, including uh, 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 an agreement between. Um, uh, Lockheed Martin to manufacture some of their THAAD, their terminal high altitude area defense system in Saudi Arabia, subcontracts um, that will help manufacturing capabilities. You know, this is the second one. This is the second WDS. And as is typical with Saudi things, it's, you know, it's getting more muscular each time, attracting more each time. And uh, that's because there's a market there, you know, you know, Saudi's spending more on defense this year. I think it's the fourth leading, uh, you know, in terms of amount spent and globally. So this is this business is being done here. Saudi Arabia wants to localize, come and come and participate. So this is a, this was it would have been cool to see it. So clearly a, a big show and a successful one. It was cool because you could really like touch and feel a lot of the things um, like the guns and the I mean, and they had everything. They had uh, fighter jets and helicopters and tanks and you know, police stuff. It was absolutely one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And it was 
Of course, very intelligently, they put the Russian exhibit on the other side of the pavilion than the Ukrainian exhibit. And, and it just, I mean, I, it truly was, it took four hours to kind of go through it. And we weren't really stopping too much because you just had to keep going. And I feel like I saw maybe half of it. So it was, it was crazy. And they had like shows and air shows. Um, my friend Abdulaziz actually spoke at it discussing the environment. Actually, uh, Richard Abdulaziz Alanazi, um, a former guest of the 966, was discussing sort of sustainability and and the environmental impact of military bases there. It just was great. It was a huge show. And the facility is like 30 minutes outside of Riyadh. So security was tight and traffic was bad, uh, but it was really something else. Really cool. Did you see uh, the Lucid police cruiser? I sure did. Got a cool video of it. It <laughs> was awesome. Funny or what? It's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, then the Saudis did have a big sort of presence there, which was cool, showing off um, the latest stuff they're doing. Um, American presence was uh, seemed to be a little bit less showy, but there was a confidence there about the superiority of their products that uh, you could just <laughs> sort of feel. Maybe a little bias coming out of my mouth there, but uh, yeah, it was really it was really cool. Well, we're homers, that's for sure. Of course. <laughs> is this me? I don't know why this is so hard for you. South Korea. Am I South Korea? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> South Korea beat Saudi Arabia 4-2 in a penalty shootout to advance to the Asian Cup quarterfinals after a thrilling last 16 tie ended 1-1 after extra time at Education City Stadium on Tuesday of, I think it was last week, after South Korea's Cho Gui sung equalized the ninth minute of second half at 90. a time. Oh, nine, yeah, I'm sorry, ninth minute. Is it, yeah. is it, it says ninth. Well, that's what, that's what, so ninth minute of second at a time. So what's that? That's 90 so minutes. The 90 that's, ninth that's 109 minute. minutes into just, 110. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop the clock. Like every yeah. other sport does. Just stop the clock. You don't, anyway, in the ninth minute of second half added time, 99th minute, to cancel out Abdullah Radif's opener, Sami Al-Naji and Abdurrahman Garib had their penalty saved by Joe Huan Wu to send South Korea through. That, that's why you put this here, because you wanted me to do all the names? <laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry to Sami Huan Abdurrahman Abdullah for totally massacring your names. Uh, My apologies. Uh, actually, actually, I didn't, but the, con the resulting... Entertainment was awesome. <laughs> I should have just done like the first first initial and the number, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, big. You know, so so the you know the obviously the arm of Saudi Arabia is pulling for the Green Falcons, and as we we did a one, didn't I do a one big thing on this two weeks ago? Um, you know, hopes for the um, AFC Asian Football Cup. Uh, and that the you know the Saudis hadn't won in 27 years, uh, but they have won three times and they had a great run. So anyway, hopes were up. So they got out of the the, the opening round, um, but didn't get past uh, South Korea. And in a heartbreaking fashion, you know they almost made it. Uh, been some fallout. Just just for background on this, this was hosted in in Qatar. Qatar ended up winning it. They beat Jordan in the final. Um, as a side, there's some drama. So uh, Roberto Mancini, who's the head coach, Italian head coach of the Saudi national team, I guess left during the, the, the penalty kicks uh, 
at the end, you know, he apologized later, but also uh, six Saudi players were fined considerable amounts. Some of them considerable amounts come up to 300,000 reals for not wanting to join or being sufficiently supportive of the Saudi national team. So a little bit of drama. And I think that's really interesting that they find, you know, Saudis, you know, basically saying, look, this is what we do. You, when the, when the call comes, answer it. Uh, regardless of whether you're going to play or not. Uh, so anyway, I think all in all, they got out of opening rounds, you know, the first groups, but they unfortunately didn't quite get past that round of 16. By the way, that was yours to read, and you gave it to was me it? at the last minute. <laughs> that was number seven. So Don't should... we have one more? Don't we have yeah, number eight? I, it should be that I read the uh, the even ones, right? And so that was No, so that seven. was seven. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. How'd that happen? Because <laughs> you manipulated it because you saw those names and said, no, this one's yours. <laughs> and, you know, in terms of entertainment value, I think we agree that was the right decision. <laughs> uh, so, but you got to do this one now because oh, this right. is an easy one. Number eight, here we come to an end, you know, you know, you know. Um, so according to a recent report from Knight Frank, our good friends at Knight Frank and, and, and Faisal Durrani, uh, residential transactions, which accounted for 58.7% of all real estate deals by total value, registered a, a minus 16% fall in the number of deals to just under 150,000 sales between January and November 2023. Again, according to Global Property Consultancy Knight Frank's winter 2023-24 Saudi report, residential market review report. The total number of real estate transaction volumes across all asset classes in Saudi Arabia slipped by 17% in 2023 to just over 177,000, while the total value of all deals declined by 9% to uh, 197.7 billion Saudi reals, according to the report. Oh man, is this a red hot real estate market and yet transactions are going down so if you sort of game that out there are ju there's just not enough supply they're building in every direction so that they can meet the supply and in the meantime if you're looking to buy a house you're paying out the you know what and it's it's evident <laughs> then on the knock-on on rental prices and you are getting a lot of speculation going on in seems like an absolute home run to build a new place to buy some land so it's gangbusters here now and it has been for those who have been doing real estate for the last few years and then i have this discussion with people here all the time you know in the u.s and elsewhere in the world the market's always correct and it's just you could almost set your watch to it depending on which graph you look at um prices go up something happens they come down but the general trajectory is up here it's just up, 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 up. And it's weird because, you know, that at some point you would say, okay, well, then it'll correct at some point, but you have Expo 2030, you have all these amazing giga projects and mega developments coming online in the next few years that will provide some supply, but then will also be very expensive. Then you have the World Cup in 2034, you have Vision 2030. So you have all of this tailwind going into the Saudi economy and the non-oil economy generally. And so what's going to happen with real estate here? I don't know. I really wish that I could have bought something three years ago because, cool. yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty then, cool. Then you, then you throw in the HQ program, you know, with lots of, lots of new 
a need for housing. Yeah, um, uh, in that article, our friend Faisal Durrani, you know, points out that, you know, the high home values have contributed to growing affordability issues. Uh, you know, interest rates are up too, as well. Um, so, and this is an interesting point. He says, and this is Faisal talking, um, further complication in the housing market is a structural shift in demand. Younger Saudis are delaying home ownership, not only due to affordability considerations, but intra-Saudi migrants are prefer preferentially seeking to rent rather than own. The impetus to introduce build-to-rent stock managed to an international standard remains a tremendous market opportunity. There you go, unquote. Um, yeah, so this is a problem that, that you know, because mortgages have fallen for two years in a row. And that's sort of, that's, you know, directly antithetical to a key vision 2030. Uh, plank is that you know we really want to increase home ownership and mortgages and prices inflation rates are just sort of working against that yeah i'd also uh be seeing faisal on the 26th for the launch of the destination saudi real estate report and roundtable discussion at Laysan Valley. So I'm looking forward to that. He's such a good dude. Um, that's coming up in about uh, 10 days or so. But yeah, um, there was a huge housing forum and a huge sort of like, um, it, it was a housing kind of, um, I can't really describe it, but it was like a housing and it was sort of a quasi ministerial private sector thing um, in Riyadh recently. And there were a lot of comments coming out of that that were newsworthy uh, in themselves, some talking about a 40% rise in real estate prices in the new, near future from where they are now. And that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, especially in Riyadh, but it also seems quite believable with the way things are going. You also have new visas coming into play where you can, if you have the cash, you can buy a place, you get a visa, a permanent residency visa right then and there when you close the deal, but you have to have the cash to buy the house. So they're putting in extra sort of weight behind it. It's interesting. It's a really interesting uh, market and a topic right now. It'd be great to have Faisal on after the launch of his report at some point in the near future. I'm, I'm uh, sure he'll do it. He's such a good dude. So uh, yeah, eight yellows, not bad today. Eight yellows. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say we, we raced through them, but you know, and that's, that's um, appropriate to the topic. There's that much going on in Saudi Arabia and we barely got all of it. I mean, we didn't get all of it. No way. And that's the beauty of the 966. Of course, you know, we may shake up the programming a little bit, but we're never going to leave you hanging. We're going to come in with some extra yellows. If we leave you short, you can set your watch to the 966 these days. So anyway, <laughs> uh, very good. We will be back next week for 124. 124, 124. It's all good. Thanks again. Always a Thank blast. Thank you.